Hi there. Welcome to the Isogo TV podcast from isogostrong.com. I'm your host, Becky Hammond, and you and I gather here on this podcast to fixate on strength in our families and on our teams. Because when we start from assuming strength, we can make relationships easier. This is episode 117. In some way, your life today does not look like the life that you led just a couple months ago. Let's call that pre-virus. I know mine doesn't. And at this point, the change and stress and uncertainty is it's starting to leak into our lives like a new normal. But it's far from the life and work we expected to be living this year. And in some ways, the uncertainty and the shock of how not normal our lives will be after all this is over or if there is even an after is growing as the weeks go by as well. Here on the podcast, we're now well into a series about strengths in crisis. Perhaps more than any other series, the conversations that we're having here are connecting to people. Thank you for sharing that with me. And that's the goal as we continue as well, to help each other by sharing experiences, tools, and perspectives that keep our strengths at the forefront of our families and teams so that we have the best chance of thriving, even in crisis. Today's guest gives us a glimpse into an industry that is part of the very fabric of our society and one that is most rocked by this global pandemic, higher education. If you know anyone who's attending college or university right now, you know that their lives have been shaken. They've moved back home, work and study trips have been canceled, they've removed, they're removed from their friends, they aren't able to walk at graduation, and now <laughs> they're trying to build the gumption to finish off the year online. What we might not see is the school that supports them behind the scenes has been working around the clock to help them complete the year, continue the social connection that's such an important aspect of college life, and come out both educated and thriving on the other end. It is a crazy tough challenge. But Kimberly Wiedefeld, her leader, and her colleagues on the president's cabinet are up for the job. Like she says, all they had to do was pull out their plan in case of world pandemic and put it into action. <laughs> so let's get into it with Kimberly Wiedefeld. All right, well, welcome Kimberly Wiedefeld to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Becky. <laughs> it's you know, we're kind of forcing our pleasantries here because Kimberly and I have um, <laughs> been friends for um, probably basically longer than I can remember. And we've had this path of life that has weaved in and out. And um, we have just had the, the blessing of being able to walk life together. And in one of those things, I have gotten to see Kimberly um, rise through the ranks in leadership to be asked to do really big things. And um, she has the privilege of being a part of an amazing team right now at Robert Wesleyan College. And I will let her tell you a little bit about that. Um, but I just felt like, man, we would be remiss if we did not hear from Kimberly and what their organization is doing and what she has been able to do um, through the lens of her strengths and so many more tools. So uh, Kimberly, I'm so excited that we get to chat about this today. Me too. Thank you, Becky. Yeah, so like you said, I'm the Vice President for Enrollment Management at Roberts Wesleyan College, which is a Christian college located in Rochester, New York. We have about a thousand traditional undergrads and um, over 700 grad and, and degree completion students, adults going back to finish degrees. And it's a really special community. It is mm. nimble and relevant and um, 154 years ago, our founder and his wife, um, B.T. Roberts and Ellen Stowe Roberts, decided there needed to be a Christian college on the west side of Rochester. And these two were rebel rousers. I mean, they mm. were kicked out of the Methodist church because they cared about women in leadership in every part of um, ministry. They cared, about, they cared about the poor. They, mm. <laughs> they, they cared about labor. And, and helped milk farmers, dairy farmers get better, better income and better um, rates for their, for their product. And, and most importantly, they cared about the abolition of slavery. And so that's in our DNA. That is in Robert's mm. DNA is one of the things, um, one of the primary reasons I was attracted 
to this opportunity that presented itself in 2016. Uh, and that is when my family and I moved across the country from Southern California to <laughs> Rochester, New York. And we have been here and a part of the Roberts Wesleyan College family um, and, and Rochester as a community. And it's just a privilege and a joy to be here. The leadership team I get to work with, um, I get to work for President um, Dr. Dina Porterfield, who is a big fan of strengths-based uh, leadership and really just a very self-aware leader as well. I have yeah. enjoyed being mentored by her and enjoyed working with a colleague, you know, with colleagues about, I think there's about seven of us on the executive leadership team. Uh, we call it the president's cabinet and getting to learn about each other and each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. But my role really is getting to work with, I think I get to work in the most fun part of the institution. <laughs> we get to do the admissions and recruitment process. Uh, we get to help students identify how they can make their dreams come true, whether that's mm. an adult wanting to get the next degree to get the next promotion and do that next leadership thing, or it's a 17 year old thinking about, you know, the world of possibilities mm. after high school. And, and then I get to work with the brand and marketing team and the financial aid team. You know, all of those pieces are important to make sure that we can tell our students and alumni stories well, as well as to help students. Um, find all the resources they can to afford an education um, at Roberts Wesleyan College. And so what does that mean for what my day-to-day -day life looked like before coronavirus? Well, I wasn't in this office. <laughs> um, but I spent a lot of time uh, in meetings, mostly collaborative meetings with colleagues, with um, my team of leaders, uh, looking at how we were going to help students be able to stay enrolled and get to the graduation stage and looking at how we could recruit the next students uh, to the college. Also considering what's the next program, academic program we wanna offer that would be helpful to a professional or of interest to students and um, doing leadership development and institutional identity communication. And mm. I've, I've loved the role. Um, it has been exciting three and a half years here in Rochester and my family, I'm uh, married to John Mark and he and I have been married for, it'll be 15 years this year. Mm -hmm. And we met working at another Christian college at Azusa Pacific University where we both encountered the strengths um, based philosophy where we have both encountered mm -hmm. strengths, um, <clears throat> the Gallup Strengths Finder. And that's really where I started kind of exploring strengths. But uh, he has made the transition from being a financial aid administrator to being a stay-at-home dad. When we moved across the country, he left his career of 20 years to be a stay-at-home dad, which can I just tell you in this crisis has been more mm -hmm. of a blessing than we could have ever planned for. Ever. You know, because, because we all had our global pandemic plans, right? Yes, but, um, exactly. I had mine. I don't know. Mine was like written. It was like, staple right? to our bulletin board. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So I have three kids and Joshua is in third grade. Kate is in first grade and Levi is 15 months old. And, um, you know, we named him Levi Oliver going for things meaning like joiner and relationship and peace. And he might be all of those things, but he is a crazy kid. I mean, <laughs> he's going to land us in the emergency room long before we ever want to be there. He'll be the first broken bone. Um, he's high energy, wants to talk constantly and, and nonstop. So um, Kate, uh, our, our first grader, um, has Down syndrome, which brings another set of opportunities for us to learn different parenting things and um, ways to learn and has changed the way that we look at a lot of things. But these things are important because of how life has changed post-coronavirus. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if it was March 10th or 11th, um, we were sitting in the cabinet, um, sitting in, in the boardroom, the president's boardroom, uh, with our emergency response team that we have established at Roberts, who typically works on different things, whether it's closure because of um, windstorms and power outage or, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever the emergency might be that we need to plan around. Uh, we were meeting to plan for what if this COVID, what if the coronavirus is COVID-19 gets, you know, gets up here, gets to Monroe County, and mm. what would we do? And it, it was only, I don't know, 24 or 48 hours after that, that we started 
moving to virtual wow. environment. Now, Roberts has been doing online education since the late 90s. I believe my colleague Dave Basinger said, I think the first, the first cohort was 97, 98. So okay. virtual is not new to Roberts, but um, our traditional undergrads learn in a face-to-face -face yes. physical environment. And so while we have the resources and experts to be able to do it, uh, transitioning all of our face-to-face -face classes mm. to virtual like like my other colleagues across higher ed have had to do it was it was something else but we made the decision wow. um, on March 13th to have our students move off campus those who were living off campus to move off campus um, there are a handful that remain on campus now mm. uh, I think it's under 30 uh, just due to the challenge of getting home being international students or whatnot and so we're caring for them there. But on the 13th, we started uh, helping students get home. And by um, March 23rd, we started, we took a, so we canceled classes for a week to allow faculty the chance to get their courses up to speed. And by March 23rd, all of our courses were virtual, some asynchronous and some synchronous. So um, using a variety of techniques, working with the state to get state approval on how we were wow. going to offer nursing clinicals and how we were going to offer um, teacher ed, um, the observation requirements and the, the in the classroom requirements. All of the, there's so many intricacies, I think in any industry and higher ed is no exception to what does it look like to move to 100% virtual. Um, yeah, in a week, a week we is had plenty a state of time order. to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, most colleges, when they make the decision they want to go to online, it's just, you know, they kind of like flip a switch, and exactly. a week later, it's online. <laughs> so, yeah, what takes most colleges multiple years to get done, um, I think I just, I have such strong appreciation for my, mm. my colleagues who are faculty across the country um, who moved heaven and earth. And they're human beings with families at home, right? right? And maybe they're doing elder care or their kids are now home for schooling as well. <laughs> and they're figuring out how to move all of the curriculum into an online platform. And uh, they did it. And meanwhile, we were also trying to figure out how do we move all of the operations, all of the business operations of a college and all the student service operations of a college mm -hmm. into a virtual environment. Because on on a Friday, um, Governor Cuomo gave us uh, the orders for 100% workforce reduction by 8 p.m. on um, Sunday the 22nd. So Monday the 23rd, we opened business with 100% virtual business. And uh, it was pretty remarkable. So it was a long stretch of many important conversations and mm. large group and small group meetings. And from on the 23rd, my office setup came to this beautiful sunroom <laughs> that's uh, in a part of our house that also, if I were to turn my camera just over this shoulder, you would see <laughs> stacks of schoolwork and organized or not so organized toy bins. Um, and this door behind me is a French door. And my nine-year-old... <laughs> uh, used construction paper to fill in all of the glass uh, on the French door so that my 15 month old wasn't tortured by the fact that your mom is at home and not paying any attention to me. <laughs> so I will say it's been cute and <laughs> sad for him <laughs> to be able to hear a little bang on the door here and there and hear mama, mama and see tiny eyeballs coming through the slats and the, the construction paper. Um, but my work environment has changed significantly because primarily yeah. I am like this, like what I'm doing yeah. right now with you, Becky, this is, this is That's what it. it looks like wow. sometimes in one-on-one -on -one conversations and pretty often it's myself and, you know, six or seven other colleagues. Um, and, and on the other side of the store, my husband is trying to make sure that 15 month old, um, doesn't kill himself mm. and gets some attention. He's used to having all the attention while the kids are gone. <laughs> That's right. And that our third grader is able to keep doing his school. And, you know, he's in advanced math and they're working on things in math these days that I don't think, I mean, I did advanced math, but I don't think I was working on any of these things <laughs> until I was in fifth or sixth grade. Right. So he's doing all these things and reading. He's pretty good at doing the independent stuff. And then my first grader, she's in the general ed environment and has a lot of supports and services to help her in her wow. learning. And, you know, she benefits from pre-teaching and then 
kind of repetition after the teaching and now all of all of that has fallen to John Mark primarily. We have an yeah. awesome um, we have an awesome group that supports Kate um, occupational mm. therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, and a special ed um, teacher who comes in for 30 minutes a day and pulls her out for 30 minutes a day. But none of that's happening in this yeah. virtual environment. Right. And um, that's been hard. That's been hard. I'll tell you what, Levi, he's our 15 month old. He's probably the one who has the least amount of tolerance for this new setting. Oh, geez. <laughs> like, excuse me. That's not so your role attention. here. Your role is to just roll right in because right. <laughs> the rest of us have things we need to do. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we need you on purpose. You're supposed to be calm and <laughs> not needy. <laughs> Oh, that's good so, irony for so, you. <laughs> yeah, so a lot's changed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I'll also say probably the biggest change um, has been the time commitment. You know, mm. uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I want to say, say this carefully that, um, you know, when you look on social media, you, you might see things like, Hey, I've read all the books I plan to read. What suggestions do you have? And, you know, people making their list of all the things they're going to accomplish and get done during um, the mm. coronavirus, during the quarantine. And um, I have not found, and my husband has not found, that it feels like we have just a whole new gift of time. Mm. Uh, it feels as if we have much less time than we've ever had before. And um, until recently, um, I think, I think we counted and it was 24 days straight that mm. my colleagues and I were, um, working just like so many others in other organizations. And I know that we're not unique to this, but it has required a significant additional amount of work to care for the organization, you know, and, yeah. and the financial health of the organization, um, but also to care for our teams and care for our students and, you know, I, I know that most of us are aware of the mental health crisis hitting our teenagers and our young adults. And um, if it was already hard for a student mm -hmm. to show up to class um, when they were surrounded by their friends in the physical environment, this new environment um, has mm -hmm. only made it more challenging, right? So there's just a lot that, that our you know, that we're, we're trying to help make happen. But that period of 24 days, that was solid, um, not all day, wow. every day, but you yeah. might wake up on a Saturday morning feeling like, oh, I think I have a Saturday. And, you know, by 11, I'm back in my, back in my little, in my little quarantine <laughs> room here oh um, my with my colleagues. And, and I got to say, there's no place I wanted, there's no other place I wanted to be. I wanted to be here. I wanted to be yeah. in the action. And I think yeah. that's probably where um, the strengths conversation easily falls into place. So I know you know our team well because yeah. uh, we have had the privilege of having you do some strengths coaching and strengths work with our team. And so you know that responsibility ranks really high on um, yeah. a lot of our Clifton Strengths Finder. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, in crisis, what a gift. <laughs> because you're not feeling like you're going to, you're the one who's got to carry it for everybody. Mm. Everybody's carrying it and everybody has it. And so locking in with these, with these friends and colleagues that I get to be a part of, um, I just, you know, felt so much gratitude and, uh, ability to trust the process because everybody, mm. everybody felt that same level of ownership. Mm. That's yeah. You guys, I mean, as you said, you have an amazing leader who cares not only about her own self-awareness, but cares how much each of you as leaders know about yourself and what that does to your leadership style, to how hard you work yourselves, to uh, how you lead the people that are around you and interact with them. Um, so, I mean, you, yeah, you, you live in a strengths-based environment. So that's certainly an amazing, uh, just an amazing, amazing privilege, but also just an amazing tool and perspective to be able to not only work in regular times, right? But in times of crisis like this, where things are just, everything's on edge. So everything's elevated. And now you have at least a language and a foundation to start to have those conversations. Um, I was talking to a colleague 
recently and I'm trying to remember, I think, I actually think that it was on um, a recent podcast and he said that he, uh, a leader that he worked with before said, you know, people might remember what your leadership was like in good times, but they will certainly remember who you are as a leader in a time of crisis. And, you know, how you show up as a leader in a time like this, you know, you don't really know. You're not, like you said, you don't have your, like, your global pandemic preparedness plan, uh, but you do have all the work that you've been doing yourself and the leaders around you for the last number of years mm. to say, okay, this is the foundation that I'm planning to lead on in good times. And whoa, I also realize now I, I have to lean on those things in this time of crisis. Um, so since we're talking about strengths, why don't you give us a little bit, or why don't you just tell us what are your top Clifton strengths? And I, I'm not going to limit you to five because I just want you to feel free to claim the ones that speak <laughs> most to you, as is true actually of other people who've been interviewed today or uh, this, this series. Um, so tell us your top Clifton strengths and then maybe just give us an example of how uh, understanding your strengths has been helpful in navigating these past few weeks. Okay. Um, yes. So I always have hard a hard time with this top five idea because I can really identify well with um, a good eight of them. So uh, <laughs> maximizer and achiever always, always in one in you know slots one and two, and then responsibility and activator communication. And then I also would add the three of woo and self assurance and individualization. Um, and I think, so, you know, when you look at my strength set, it's a um, hard driving, um, executing influencer, right? Mm -hmm. Or influencing executor with yeah. uh, just a little dabble in the relational side. Um, <laughs> fortunately. And, <laughs> fortunately. Fortunately. But I'm not sure anyone ever experiences me that way. That is not And true. Um, not I true. hope they do, right? <laughs> I hope they do. So um, I do care deeply for people, even if it doesn't, my strengths profile doesn't necessarily make it look like it. Uh, but when I, when I think about what's been required over the last few months, uh, I, you know, one of the, one of the um, qualities associated with achiever is a stamina, mm -hmm. you know, a really a really significant stamina and ability to work hard. And, and I would say that my, my colleagues who do not have achiever also have the ability to yeah. work really hard and right. they also have stamina. But I do see that being part of um, the drive and the ability to stick with it. So I also think our biology is helpful in the way that God made us to, you know, in that fight or flight, when you, when you decide to fight, that adrenaline kicks in and that has been helpful as well. Right. So um, I think probably leaning into the achiever piece uh, was helpful. And I think there's probably challenges with it too, because with the uncertainty that this virus has brought, mm. um, there's not a to-do list to check off. I mean, daily yeah. there is a to-do list and, and there's a, you know, something, you know, things that we're trying to accomplish by the end of the week, but I love an end goal. Mm. And when there's no, <laughs> there's end, no end to have that <laughs> yeah. goal. Wow. Right. Which, which actually can have me then starting to feel, um, you know, I can more easily feel overwhelmed or, or lacking a sense of direction of what to do next. Yes. Right. right? Um, and, and so I have, I've felt both sides of that achiever strength. Um, one of the things that I think has been really um, great about working with my president, with uh, Dina, has been sharing some of our strengths in common. She has activator mm. and communication and woo hmm. and self-assurance. And uh, one of the things that she is so good at is communication and hmm. just a sensitivity to what a community needs, um, hmm. whether it's her president's cabinet, which this isn't public knowledge, but I'm going to share it. Um, she did a little lip sync for the cabinet for us. She recorded a, a lip sync and sent it to us one Friday night just to, just okay. to make us laugh and encourage us, right? That is amazing. Uh, right? Did it also come and, with a warning um, that was like, getting, do not so, repost get, this anywhere because uh, at, for threat of your job? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Um, so, but I've I've enjoyed I really enjoy 
getting to work with her also and trying to help uh, give feedback and answer questions on yeah. what does presidential presence look like right now? Um, hmm. Who needs to be the one communicating? You know, there's so many messages that need to be communicated and who communicates which message. And, right. and we're still figuring that out. You know, I, I heard you talk to Tyann um, yes. and mention your friend who said she wasn't sure if she wanted to do a podcast because that's right. figured out that's me. Um, cause I haven't figured, cause I don't have it figured out. And I'm, and I know that we're trying to do our very best with what we yeah. have. And, right. um, and so we're still doing that even with the communication piece. Yeah. Know, what is the right frequency? What, is, what are the right messages? And with my team as well, you know, I have, I have some fantastic. So, so my peers that are talking about with the presence cabinet, but I have a fantastic set of leaders on my enrollment management team that lead the traditional undergrad enrollment team and lead the financial aid student accounts team. Um, my AVP for brand and communications, you know, she has been on at the same rate because it is a constant update of the web page and the communications yeah. going to the wow. media and responses to the media. And, you know, um, very quickly, um, she and one of her other team members um, set up a, you know, an email for anyone, just parents or students to send mm. any questions related to anything going on, campus operations. And um, I have been so impressed with how quickly she's been able to respond to wow. all of that. So all of these pieces, you know, I think the communication strength I have really relied on. And mm. I think you have, we have people who execute a plan and can see what the plan needs to be. We have people on, um, on both my, you know, the leadership team, uh, that I work as a part of with peers, the president's cabinet and my team who can think about how they would arrange things to make things happen and put mm -hmm. the steps in place. And then we have others who have the strength of communication to say, okay, but how would we say that in a way mm -hmm. that students can hear it and not be alarmed that we can help them move from right. what they need to do now to what um, they're going to need to do next week. And, um, how do we share hard messages with the community when we're trying to say, what's needed for our community right now. Um, yeah. What's the right then, you know, what's the right venue and how, here's how we would traditionally do it if we were right. physically together, but we're not. So what's the mm -hmm. next way and what are the goals we're trying to meet? And are, is there a way to do that virtually um, and doing a lot of the problem solving uh, related to that. And I think I've relied heavily on the communication strength for that. Um, I also think that the maximizer strength has been helpful because I can see what looks like a good plan and, find a way to tweak one small thing, just one small thing. <laughs> no so big deal. A little bit. And, and then it might become a little better. But let me say it can also be the enemy, right? Because in the time of crisis, you mm. need decisiveness. Yeah. And if someone like me gets hung up with my maximizer strength turned on too mm. loud, we'll never, not only will we never make the decision, we will never get to communicate and execute on the decision. Wow. And so, I find that I'm having to regularly kind of like turn that, vol as you've referred to them as volume buttons, yeah. turn that volume button down to say, um, what can we do right now? And yeah. is this good enough to execute right now to move things forward? Right? Yeah. Well, that's okay. Let me, um, I don't know. I've kind of like, like jumped speak all around on my that space, maximizer but. a little bit. No, this is great. Um, because I, I've found and other people that I've talked to on podcast and not, um, that sometimes they, they're feeling like, man, I'm not getting to lean into, I'm not getting to use my strengths in the same way that I have. So part of me feels like I'm not me. Like I'm not, I'm not able to be the full mm -hmm. me because I feel constrained in some way or another, or just like you're talking about with maximizer, like at some point, if you turn it down too low, you're not, you're not you anymore. You're feeling like, uh, I'm not actually operating optimally. I mean, how, what have you done or how have you felt as you've said, okay, yes, it's good enough. We have to make a decision. Like, how do you, how have you processed that of, of, of teaching yourself a new, a new construct in some ways of like, it's okay. Because in, up until this point, no, it's, it's actually not okay. We actually need to make it, you know, we need to take it up this level. Um, does it feel like you, does it, how are you leaning onto other strengths to help kind of fill that void or what does that look like? I would guess I must be leaning onto other strengths because I haven't felt like I'm not me. Mm. And I think the thing I've more been convinced of is 
this idea of this is all of our this is our first global pandemic. Um, I have a colleague who shared the story about um, a board member who was a young a young board member. Um, and there were older board members in this community who said, "I." I'm sorry, you guys, but this is my first, this is my first global <laughs> pandemic, as if everybody else had had a global pandemic before, right? Unless you've been alive and, since 1918, um, in which case, maybe you have had, you've been part of a global pandemic maybe. at this point. <laughs> but what's the likelihood that you were part of a decision-making team if you're still alive, right? <laughs> when so, you're elite and by the world age. has changed drastically. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. So, but I think leaning into the idea that I just, just being very aware of the fact that um, this is my first global pandemic. This is my, this is the college's, mm. this actually isn't the college's first global pandemic, but this is our team's first mm. global pandemic. And um, in the same mm. way that I'm trying, that I am committed to praying for um, our local leaders, our, uh, you know, the, the leaders in our New York state and then our national leaders for them to have wisdom, for them to have courage to make decisions, even when they don't have all of the information, but they need mm. to make a decision. Uh, and for them, for God to renew their stamina mm. over and over again. I, you know, I think I'm reminded that I need to give that grace to myself and to my colleagues. And, and I think that's also mm. a grace we have to give ourselves as parents and yeah. just, you know, in all of our different segments of life, because, what the maximizer strength could do is Monday morning quarterback it till yes. blue in the face and say how the decision could have been better and what we should do next time. And you know what, for the next several decades, this will be a case study in leadership and this will be a case study in the type of decisions that could be made differently on every front. But mm -hmm. we only have the information we have and we have to make decisions. And so something, maybe it's my activator. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's something else. Yeah. Maybe it's a self-assurance that just says, we're going to make a decision and we've got to move forward with it. And it's okay if we need to do redo loops and go back right. and communicate again and again and, and even solve a problem again that we thought we had solved. Right. Right. But, um, but it can't be hamstrung by the need to wait till it's at a certain level of excellence to move forward. You know, I think, mm. I think more I can lean into the maximizer strength to bring out the excellence in others around me, hopefully in my own team and, give them the permission to shine in, in areas yeah. that maybe they haven't been able to before. But um, I think that's probably where I lean more into it. But I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel like a part of me is missing. Hmm. I love that. I love that because in some ways it makes me feel like then you're turning something down, but also turning something else up. And maybe, you know, even just as you're talking about the communication strength, yeah, you always have to lean into that strength in order to lead your team. But it sounds like that's, a totally different level. And even when you're talking about doing the redo loops, it's like, well, the redo is about the communication aspect. It's like saying, Hey, we thought this and now we know this. And so we're doing it differently. Hey, we thought this and now we know this. So we're doing it differently. Um, whereas maximizer might not have been as tolerant for that redo loop, um, previous to mm -hmm. just a constantly changing environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, uh, Spot on. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, telling us a little bit about um, your role as a leader, you know, this is a time where, you know, we, as we said um, that our leadership, <laughs> a friend of mine and I were joking, like there's going to be a lot of HBR articles written out of this time, you know, like the future business students of the world are going to be reading it and be like, during a, glo a global pandemic, this leader did this and this leader did that, you know, and then like, what would you have done? And, you know, yes, the, the, even us being those students would probably have a different response to what we would have done. Um, but as a leader, what have you found has been helpful, uh, whether it has to do with strengths or not, um, as you're, you are leading a team of leaders who are also leading other people. Um, has there been something that you felt like, man, this feels like it's working in terms of staying connected, um, staying on the same page, staying motivated, feeling like, um, like you are a part of a team, even though where you used to rub shoulders, you now are, you know, have to make phone calls in order to, to connect with each other. Um, what do you think, what do you feel like is working? Okay. So I think probably the thing that I most, enjoy and that seems to be the most helpful right now is that um, 
for a while it was daily and now it's a few times a week. I have a standing half hour meeting with mm. my department heads. Um, and so there's, you know, four leaders that I hop on a uh, Google meeting with, and it's been great for quick problem solving. Mm. I, I mean, if you're like me, I, I heard Tyann say this in her, in her podcast interview as well. But our email boxes are inundated right now. Mm. And totally. the last thing we need is to try to solve a problem by me sending you 10 emails that you're responding to with 10 other emails to help us get mm. to something that we could have solved in a 90 second conversation like this. Yeah. And so by having a standing meeting, um, it has been so helpful because sometimes I think there's something that just, you know, myself and, and let's say um, my AVP for adult and graduate education need to solve. But by us talking about it in that half hour chat, I realized that the, that two others yeah. also need that same information and right. it helps them apply something to their own team. So that's been great. And I just got to say, um, these are all women on my, on my leadership team. And I have found such strength and encouragement from hmm. being on this team together. And so in those half hours, um, we get to see what each other are eating and, you know, I'll lower my camera so they can see the little <laughs> eyeballs in the window. And, um, you know, um, one of my, <laughs> one of my colleagues, her two little kids ran in buck naked one time, you know, from the bath. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and just like, we got to see each other's reality and it just brought in some humanity, but it create it just, it's created a level of connectedness, connection that we maybe haven't even had in the office yeah. because we are speaking with each other so frequently and um and because that's working really well um i have found that i'm also relying on phone or this when so i you know i, I was sharing this with you earlier that i feel like this in this week the adrenaline has just dropped so we've gotten through the peak of crisis yeah. and needing to move everything to virtual and solving a lot of problems. There's still a lot that we've got to figure out. There's some great yeah. things that the federal government and the state government are doing. And there's just mm. a lot of regulatory pieces we have to navigate through those things and make things right. Mm. I and mean, there's just, there's a lot still to do. Um, but the peak of the crisis has kind of pass. And so right. I think the adrenaline has left for not just for me, but for many others, I'm noticing, mm. you know, in my, in my organization and what happens when you're tired and you're writing an email or you're tired and you're reading an email is you may, you may write something in a way that can be interpreted as aggressive mm. or insensitive mm. because you're just trying to get it done. Mm. Um, and, or you may read something that wasn't intended to sound that way. And respond and so I have this week especially I have found my best response in those situations um, to be can we hop on the phone with each other yeah. you know or can wow. we do this just to provide an opportunity to really see and hear each other instead of relying on the written word Right. And don't get me wrong. I love the written word. I'm a big fan of the bullet points, you know, um, <laughs> but with tired teams, bullet points can feel like harsh directives. And so <laughs> I'm a big fan yeah, of the bullet yeah. point. I think so that I think goes back to your strengths point. too, right? That the, um, can we just cut to the chase so. here, people? Let's just all right, look at your right. All about the efficiency. All about it, but when it comes down to getting the job done, let's just bullet point it. No, no, I think, and we also right. say, boom, boom, don't, boom. don't say things in person that we maybe would say in an email because it's like, well, that doesn't sound as nice as I would like it to sound or as gracious or, yeah. or like you said, we could just be misinterpreting things, but you know, we just, we do, we all communicate differently by writing versus by adding some humanity back into it. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, and right. so well, I, an email I, is yeah. a monologue. Yes. True. True. Thought the right? soapbox. Yeah. And, and you can, right. And so I can keep talking no matter how much I'm running over you if I'm writing an email. But if we're like <laughs> this true. or we're on the phone, mm -hmm. even with a delay, <laughs> you know, it's um, a lot more obvious if we have any level of self awareness, if one of us is running over the other one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's important anytime, but when we're tired or 
just kind of had enough of all this stuff, it can just get even easier to be curt and short about how we're communicating as well. Um, one of the things you were sharing earlier, I would love for you, to, for you to share as well. Like, so you on Tuesday or whatever day it was, you woke up and you said, oh my goodness, like I'm exhausted. So what did you, what did you do? Like as a leader, what did you feel like, okay, I got to, did you say mm. I got to make an adjustment? Did you say I just got to push through? Did you say, where are my strengths and all this? I mean, what, what did you do um, physically to say, okay, I got to, <laughs> I got to change this? <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I woke up Tuesday and I thought, I felt like I had trained to hit me. And um, I think my, my reaction was, I'm going to get up and do some of the things that I've been doing when I felt tired getting up. I mean, I felt tired many mornings getting up. I'm going to yeah. do some of the same things I've been doing, but nothing was changing. I mean, I was still mm. tired. Right. And so, um, I said, I, I gotta, I gotta take a break. Yeah. And one of my um, friends, one of the pastors from uh, my church from Browncroft, uh, was checking in on me, seeing how I was doing. And mm. he sent me this great grid that had four quadrants and it, it was, you know, across the top, it said like stressed, not stressed. And, mm. um, I don't know what, I don't remember what was down on the other side, but you kind of like found your plotted yourself and where I plotted myself in the quadrant and said, take a nap. <laughs> and I thought, yes, that's what I need. <laughs> and so I, so I looked on my calendar and there was really nothing I could do. Looking mm -hmm. at Tuesday, there was no option unless I really was like really sick. I mean, if I was really sick, I would just have to yeah. be really sick. But, right. Right. Um, I put the space. I rearranged a few things for Friday morning, and I mm -hmm. put three hours on my calendar blocked out so that um, this morning I could sleep in. I could get out and exercise. I could play with my kids. Mm -hmm. I could, um, you know, spend some time in reflection and just doing the things that I know are important for refreshing for myself refreshing myself. And, you know, I have to say, I think it matters that I work on a team where the leader um, mm. cares about that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, she's constantly saying, remember, you know, the idea is you put your oxygen mask on first before you put it on, you know, mm. the others. And so she's been trying to make sure that we are staying aware of where we're at. So it's easy mm. to take that, to be able to give myself the permission to do that. And let me just tell you, just knowing it was there, that helped provide some <laughs> <laughs> some right. refreshment too totally so that like on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning you could be like okay I feel tired but not as tired because I know that on Friday morning I get to do all these things to help take care of myself and try to get back to that awesome place hmm. yes right. something right. to look forward to <laughs> all right well um as we are kind of closing up here today you know I I just, I love the fact that the strengths language is so much a natural part of your, of your makeup at this point, you know, you're constantly thinking, how, how am I using these things? How am I coming across as a result of these things? Um, and so maybe your advice or encouragement would have to do with your strengths, or maybe it would just have to do with your experience so far. Um, but what advice or encouragement would you give to another leader who may, maybe is in higher education, maybe is just can it can relate to you as a person who has worked 20, you know, worked 24 days in a row, long hours, uh, maybe other people are hitting a wall as well. Um, what advice or encouragement can you give to that person who's just kind of still feeling overwhelmed right now? One of the things I lean on is my experience in the past crises. Mm -hmm. And uh, this isn't necessarily strengths related, but that we can only make the make decisions with the information that we have available right now and I, you know i know we didn't talk much about this but i am a data loving i mean there is nothing i love more than a good excel sheet that i can make some great pivot <laughs> tables with and, and you know let you know i say let's let data tell us tell us the story right um and we're just not going to have all the data we need to make the decision um, mm. that, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look back and say, oh, if we just had that information, we would have known exactly mm -hmm. what to do. And so the advice is to make the decision today with the information that we have, mm. but it's not a sentence, right? It's yeah. for a season. And we can always go back and redo that decision. And so mm. there's something really freeing 
I even find it's really freeing and knowing I'm not going to get it right. Like we're just not, mm. we're not going to get it right. We're going to look back in 10 wow. years and say, those decisions were great, but that decision that we could have made that decision differently. Mm. Um, and if we give ourselves the freedom to know we're going to, we're going to have to make decisions right now and they're not all going to be the best decision they could have been. Wow then it feels even easier to make the decisions and keep moving forward and knowing we can go back and we can fix what we didn't get right the first time. Um, so maybe that's grace for each other and maybe it's grace for um, those who work with us. And um, I have found so much grace in who I work for and who I work with and the ability to have a bad day or make a bad decision um, um, or even have a bad reaction. And then to go back and connect and start again. Yeah. It's not just about decision redo loops. It's about response redo loop. And just knowing that even as that that you're not going to respond right every time either. I mean, I think that's like, that's advice that can get that as wonderful as a leader, but can also, (laughs) we can expand that into every aspect of our lives. Like our spouses aren't going to react right every time. Our kids aren't going to act, react right every time. I'm not going to react right every time to those same people. Um, that certainly that gives us a good picture of grace. Cause I think that, you know, the, uh, this is really a common word that I'm hearing people say like well, I think we just need to give ourselves a break we need to give ourselves grace like we need to listen to our own podcast telling us to do that you know like and and actually take that advice um but to to hone in on exactly what you said is like the the exercise of that grace what does that look like what does that really mean like to realize we're not going to get it right every time and that to be okay with that in ourselves and to be okay with that in other people and to do some of the other things that you said, like pick up the phone and talk to somebody, uh, you know, as you can even virtually look them in the eye so that you can have redo conversations if you need to. Um, and those types of things are what are going to help us be able to feel like we're thriving a little bit more and at least doing it together as a community where we feel like we're supporting each other and making the best decisions that we can. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, we would be we'd be remiss to think we were going to get it right. Mm. We're fallible people. We are just people. It's going to be yeah. messy. It's going to be messy. We'll just keep That's doing it truth. together. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you, Kimberly, for being willing to sit down and chat today about your strengths, about your team, about your situation, about the impact that this crisis has had on your life and your work and your family. And, you know, like we say, we're not doing, we're not doing it right, but we do, uh, as you wisely said, we do have the opportunity to go back and redo. We can continue to redo, um, and try to get it more and more right as we, uh, as we respond differently and we make different decisions and continue to move forward, not paralyzed, but, um, moving forward with grace. So thanks for sharing that with us today and, um, giving us a glimpse. Thanks for having me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your um, wisdom and your guidance and refocus on strength, especially when it could be easy to focus on weakness right now. So (laughs) thank you for creating this space for all of us to continue to learn from each other. Thanks, Kimberly. Chat later. There are two messages Kimberly shared that are sticking with me. The first phrase is this, her advice. You are not going to get it right. (laughs) So give yourself the okay for a redo loop and even expect that you're going to need that redo loop in communication with your team and processes you set up that have to change and even with your family who is trying to navigate this new life with you too. The second is this idea of taking time. If your stay at home has felt nonstop like Kimberly's and her team's has, you're likely going to hit a wall if you haven't already. When the adrenaline runs off, don't just force your way through and try to buck up. Rather, do something about it. Schedule time to do things that are life-giving, to sleep, to connect with people you love. Those things will get you back on track for the hard work that is still yet to come. Kimberly Wiedefeld is not only an outstanding leader, she's also a voice for access to higher education for people of all abilities. She posts very candidly about her role as mom to a lovely daughter with Down syndrome and her dream that every opportunity will be open to her and others with Down syndrome too. 
you should definitely take a minute to look her up on Instagram, at kwiedefeld. You'll be encouraged by her spirit and authenticity there. On Instagram, that's k-w-i-e-d-e-f-e-l-d, kwiedefeld. And if you are a college hopeful or you know someone who is, who wants a Western New York experience and a college that cares about every student they serve, check out Roberts Wesleyan College in Rochester, New York. In the coming few episodes, we are going to wrap up this series with some amazing business owners, leaders, and friends as they share their perspectives and stories about living through strengths in crisis. And if we're not already connected, you and I, I would love to connect with you on Instagram and LinkedIn, where we can continue the conversation around strengths in families and teams in crisis and beyond. On Instagram, you can find me at IsogoStrong, and on LinkedIn, I'm myself, Becky Hammond. Also, real quick, before we wrap it up here, let's talk about your strengths for a second. If you don't know your top five Clifton strengths from the Strengths Finder, or if you know them, but they might be stuffed in a drawer somewhere and you haven't really done anything with them yet, man, you have so much room to explore. Like our guests in this series, through knowing and living your strengths, you can experience insight and you can have tools in crisis and to make your relationships around you easier. So if you're nodding along, then awesome. I'd love to help give you a jumpstart as your virtual coach. It's super easy to start. And since you're here today, I'd love to give you $5 off the Strength Startup Virtual Coach Kickstarter. The $5 off makes it under 20 bucks. In this email coaching series from me, you'll get insights into your talents and strengths, as well as some action that you can take to make relationships easier around you, in stress and beyond. If you go over to isogostrong.com slash strengths startup, you can check it out. There are two options. One, if you already know your top five strengths, and one if you have yet to discover them. So you can choose the track that is best for you. I can't wait to get to know more about you and your strengths. To get that $5 off, use the code virtualcoach5. So that's virtualcoach5 for those $5 off. You and your strengths have the power to make a ripple effect in your family, on your team, and then ultimately across the entire world. We can feel that now more than ever. The world needs your strengths. So learn them, love them, and live them in your own circles of influence. Until next time on Isogo TV.